The following is a teaching message from the chapel in Tiatatu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz. The day has finally come. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. She became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son that Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Beginning back in Genesis 12, God has been progressively revealing his plans and his promises to Abraham. That promise way back, I will make you into a great nation, I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. Promises as they come don't get much bigger than that. And then in Genesis 13, God tells Abraham to look around from the place that you're standing. Look to the north, the south, the east and the west. All of this land I'm going to give to your offspring. And I'll make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that no one can count them. And then about six weeks ago in Genesis 17, God gave Abraham a sign, a reminder of the promise. It was this covenant of circumcision. That was about a year before this passage that we're in this morning. And at that time, God had said, Your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. My covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear you by this time next year. And as we talked about at the time, the name Isaac means he laughs. And so I had to do the search and I looked it up in my Bible and I found out the first time it's recorded that anyone laughed in the Bible was in this chapter. I'm sure there were times before this people found something funny and laughed, but this is the first time that God records someone laughing. It was in Genesis chapter 17, verses 15. God said to Abraham, as for your wife Sarah, you are no longer to call her Sarai, her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and surely she will give you a and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she'll be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. And Abraham, this great man of faith, fell down on his face and laughed. Because after all, what God was promising him in his old age was literally laughable. And as we turned over to chapter 18 and we had the three visitors came and talked to Abraham. We're pretty sure it probably was the Lord and two angels. And again, one of them says, oh, surely, and it's probably the Lord says, I'll return to you about this time next year, and your wife will have a son, and, 
And Sarah's standing there at the entrance of the tent listening. She's going, that's so funny. Can't pull. She's laughing to herself. And God says, why did Sarah laugh? And Sarah says, I didn't laugh. And the Lord says, yeah, you did. I love that. This, this very personal interaction. Yeah, you did laugh. More importantly, you will laugh. Abraham and Sarah have been married for at least 30 years, probably much, much longer. One, one report I saw said that they'd probably be married at least 50 years. And in all of that time, Sarah had been unable to conceive. Today we understand that there might be medical reasons. But back then it was just a source of shame. In 50 years, not able to fall pregnant, why would now be any different? Especially now that she is 90 and her husband is 100. It's laughable. It's impossible. And yet here we are a year later and Sarah is holding her newborn. I know what it's like three times over to go through that process of waiting that whole nine months and then holding that newborn. I cannot imagine what it would be like at 100 years of age or as a woman at 90 years of age to finally be holding that newborn. Now as we move back into today's reading, Sarah says, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have thought? Who would have thought? It's still laughable. It's actually still impossible. But now the impossible has happened. The grief of so many years. Unable to have children. The heartache. If you've walked with folk who walk that path, you understand. And can you imagine after 50 years? And, and to add to that, God has been promising that her husband is going to be the father of many nations. And that didn't kind of lighten the load on her. And then, of course, there was that flawed and failed plan for him to have descendants through her maidservant, and we know how that worked out. And we now know that it's beyond impossible. Romans says that he, Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. And Sarah's womb was also dead. It really was impossible. But the impossible was now a living reality. Shame and grief had given way to joy and laughter. But there's something else that I noticed in this. You know, all the way through this journey, who has God been making promises to? Abraham. The promises are to Abraham. Sometimes to Abraham and Sarah. But while it seems that Abraham has carried the promise, 
we realize that Sarah has carried the pain. Abraham has carried that sense of the call of God in his life and Sarah has walked in pain. We noted this again last week when Abraham said, oh well, since I wandered from my father's household, I said to Sarah, this is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, say she is my, he is my brother. How did that make Sarah feel? Abraham is carrying a promise and Sarah is carrying the pain. As if the shame of infertility was not enough. As if the burden of knowing you're the one through whom this promise is to be fulfilled and I'm still not able to deliver. Literally. And then I've got to put my body on the line to protect the one who's supposed to protect me. And so I'm intrigued that with the fulfilment or the beginning of the fulfilment of this promise to Abraham, in this morning's reading, the announcement of the birth of Isaac begins with this declaration. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Not for Abraham. Abraham gets it along the way. God did this for Sarah, for the one who's carried that promise with such a heavy load, with such a burden. The promise is still to Abraham, but God affirms Sarah, not only as the wife of Abraham who's there to somehow protect him, but as a primary recipient of all that God has promised. You see, God has already renamed Sarah. She had been Sarai, which means my princess, a father naming his little girl my princess. And God says she may have been your princess, Terah, but she is now simply princess for she will be the mother of nations kings of people will come from her the shift for Sarah in this moment is huge you know I believe that there are people here this morning for whom this is the thing you need to hear from God for too long now it seems that you've been paying the price for someone else's success. You feel sidelined, overlooked, maybe even used, but know this. It's what Hagar discovered, as we read a few weeks ago, that our God is the God who sees. If you feel overshadowed, if you feel left aside, we were talking before about the danger of comparison before the service. If you feel that compared to someone else, they're having all the excess and I'm doing all the hard work. God is the God who sees. And God is the God who rewards. Jesus declared that blessed are you who hunger now for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now for you will laugh. 
It may seem too late for you. Things have gone on too long. You're waiting for that promise to be fulfilled and you're just giving up because it's been too hard and it's been too long. It's impossible. However, in God's plans and purposes, it's never too late and it's never impossible for God gave Sarah a child at the very time that God had promised. I'm reminded of what Paul writes when he writes that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And I kind of think there needs to be this special category for forbearance or patience and for self-control. Because those two are really, really hard. And I think they're tied together. It's like just to wait on God. It's much easier to find our own way, which is what Sarah has already tried. But to simply be patient, actively watching and waiting for God to do what God is going to do, and to be self-controlled in the process. But in God's perfect time, that which is humanly impossible happens because there are times when we need to stop and be able to step back and look at what has happened and go, only God, only God can do this. So many succeed through great effort. But only God can bring about the impossible. And there are days when you'll need God to do the impossible. Remember, he is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. That's why the Bible reading he shared is so important. Because he knows everything. He is so incredibly immense and powerful. He can do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine it's never too late for what God has promised. And we need to remember that in the pursuit of God's promises, we should never diminish those whom God would include in the promise. You see, the promise had been to Abraham. And Abraham did what the children of Israel will later do. He made the promise all about him. Sarah, you need to protect me. God's got a special purpose for me. You need to preserve my life by offering yours. But the, problem, the, the promise wasn't just about Abraham. The promise was also for Sarah and for Isaac and ultimately for all nations, all people, you and me. Abraham was certainly chosen by God and blessed by God, but the blessing, the calling, was far greater than one man and far greater than one generation. In Hebrews, when uh, the writer is talking about all the great men and women of faith, and having mentioned Abraham and Sarah, he then says, 
All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. See, the birth of Isaac was incredibly significant. But in the big picture of what God was promising Abraham and what God was going to do through this promise, Isaac was just one step in that journey. And so we're told that when Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded, and Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Abraham has spent the last 25 years or more learning to trust God. I think this is a turning point when God does for him that which is impossible. In a few weeks' time, we'll see just how much Abraham has learned to trust God. To realise that God is able to protect. We talked about that last week when um, Abraham was asking Sarah, to lie about who she was or tell a half-truth about what was to protect him. And all the time, God protected Sarah. And that God is able to provide. And God invites us to trust him, to walk, and to live in obedience to him. And God has made so many promises. Some of the promises have been made to the whole of creation, for example... One we came across a few months ago now when God says after the flood, I will establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the floodwaters. Never again will there be a flood to destroy all this. This is a promise made to the entire creation. And then there are other promises for those of us who believe. He said, yet to all those who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Not just to escape hell and to go to heaven, but to become family members of God Almighty. Do you understand that? That is some promise. And then there are those personal promises, that calling that God has placed on your life. Not maybe as grand as Abraham's calling, but significant nonetheless. In Ephesians, Paul says, It is by grace you have been saved, through faith. This not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we, for you, for you are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. God has a purpose for you. It may be a grand purpose over a lifetime like Abraham's. Or it may be a purpose for this week. But God has created things for you to do. And he has created you and equipped you to do those. God has a plan for your life. You may have a very clear sense of what that looks like. You may be at the very early stages of beginning to understand what that looks like. 
or you may be on the journey just discovering some of the details of what that plan entails. But you are God's handiwork. He has created you. He has, and I, I see this picture of these two hands coming together. It's like the things that God has created to be done by you and you, and they fit together perfectly. Welcome to the journey of discovering God's purpose for your life. Nothing in your life to date has been or will be wasted. God has been shaping you and preparing you for what he wants to do in you and through you in the days ahead. And for us as a church community, as a church family, God has a plan for us. And he has made many, many promises to this congregation. I have some of them written down. Some who have been written down long before I came to this church. God has given many words to many members of this congregation over many years. And so many are still waiting for their fulfilment and many are still waiting for our obedience. And like Abraham, at least I'll take this responsibility, I'm a slow learner. But God is faithful. When God planted this faith community here in the 1960s, in the mid-1960s, God knew that you, you, you would be sitting here this morning. God knows everything. When he planted this church in the mid-1960s, he knew that this morning we would be here. And he knew what our community would need. He had a plan. And God is patient and he is working out his plans and his purposes. Not in the way we might, but in the way that only God can. In Romans, we, the question is asked, but what if some are unfaithful? Will their faithful, unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every human a liar, as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak God and prevail when you judge. When God brought a word back in 1985, when he brought a word back in 1999, did he not know that they weren't going to come true? Because maybe some would be unfaithful. No. God knew what would come. God knew what would pass. But God still promised. And we need to capture and take hold of all that God has promised. And as we wrestle with, as we learn to walk in obedience to God, as we learn to walk by faith, learning to claim the things that he has promised, keep reading his word. And keep listening for stories of God's faithfulness. When we have this moment on a Sunday morning, what's God been saying to you? What's God been doing in your life this week? It's not to fill in 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. Firstly, it's for you to be encouraged when you hear what God is doing in someone else's life. And secondly, it's for you to learn to have the courage to step up and say, hey, I don't like talking out in public, 
but this is what God's doing in my life. You know when I learnt to speak out in a church? I was about seven or eight. I grew up in Salvation Army where you have a testimony time almost every Sunday. And as a seven or eight year old, I'd stand up and I'd go, I like this Bible verse. And I'd read out the Bible verse and I'd sit down. I'm an introvert, I was an introvert then. But I learned I had a voice. You have a voice with which we can praise our God and Saviour. And if we can't express, exercise, learn to use that voice in this place, which is a safe place, then when people say, hey, what kind of church do you go to, Michael? They wouldn't even know that he goes to church if it wasn't for the fact that he's got a voice and he speaks out. We need to be a people who learn to speak. And there will be moments, moments when faith, when obedience to God and his word produces very tangible results, like this little baby that Sarah now holds. You will have moments in your life when you can remember those promises. The birth of Isaac was not the fulfilment of the promise that God had given Abraham, but it was such a miraculous moment, such a significant milestone. A few moments ago we sang a song and we sang the words, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed." And I can still see myself as a seven-year-old sitting, kneeling down on the floor with my gold-coloured carpet and my gold-coloured bedspread by my single bed as a seven-year-old with my dad kneeling beside me as I gave my life to the Lord. And I can remember all those years later after we'd gone out of the Salvation Army, out on Christmas Beach on Herald Island, I can still remember being baptised that day. What are the markers and the milestones in your life that you look back and remember in the darkest days? I used to have a phrase, never doubt in the darkness what you knew in the light. I stood here last Sunday. Everyone had gone after lunch and I was just worrying on myself and I said, God, I love this church. I've got to remember that moment. Because I've got to say, I haven't had... I've had lots of times where I love a lot of the people in this church, but I've not had any times or many times where I would have stood here and said, God, I just love this church. But I do. When you have those moments, capture those, take hold of those. I took a photo to my dad a couple of weeks ago. And he goes, oh, that was at such and such a number of Puni Road in Gisborne. photo was taken in 1945, just before him and his siblings went into... Children's homes, 1945. The power of a, of, of a picture to, re, to recall a memory. Have those pictures in your mind of those moments when God has done what only God can do. And so when the road seems long and hard, when the promises seem to be slow in coming, first Check your obedience. Am I doing, God, what you asked me to do? And then pause to remember God's faithfulness 
and times gone past. Knowing, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from the chapel in Teatitu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz or email info at thechapel.org.nz.